This episode of Actors with Issues is brought to you by Audible. For a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook, visit audibletrial.com actors. Welcome back to Actors with Issues. I am your host, Juan Ayala. Today's guest is actor Ryan Salazar, who you may have seen on ABC's Fresh Off the Boat, Netflix's Grace and Frankie, and the CBS long-running series Criminal Minds. Ryan chats with us about adjusting to the actor's life during quarantine, the slow but sure increase in representation for BIPOC actors and characters, and his experience working with an all-Asian cast on ABC's Fresh Off the Boat. Ryan and I are actually part of the same management family, and I'm so happy that I got to talk with him about all of this wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, you know, talking about things like representation to uh, growing up with an immigrant family who, you know, just didn't want you to pursue such an insecure career like acting, especially as a person of color. And um, yeah, I'm truly so, so happy that I got to talk with Ryan. So please enjoy this conversation with Ryan Salazar. with our industry uh slowly but surely opening back up um how have you been adjusting and uh using all of this extra time that we as actors have found on our hands uh, i mean <laughs> in between the the trips to the, the fridge essentially <laughs> <laughs> um you know i think it's kind of been up and down right when it, this whole thing started you kind of go from 100 to zero and you just don't know what to do so you kind of just sit and that's kind of what I did I, I sat for a, a lot of the time I read some books watched some tv shows that I'd been meaning to to do uh, and catch up on played some video games and then you know that kind of wears off and you're kind of like okay so now what can I do what else can I uh, keep myself busy with and I think what I have found is that through all of this really maintaining a sense of community has helped me um, not only kind of just stay in touch with my artistic side and uh, the craft of it all. Um, but also in some roundabout way, it kind of also motivated me to continue pushing the business side, networking, talking to other people, seeing what we can do uh, together to collaborate in this weird time of, of not being able to see each other. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I completely agree. Um, trying to keep up not just necessarily the networking connections with mm-hmm. um, with the people you're normally trying to network with, like casting directors right. and reps and all that, but also right. just like checking in on your fellow actor friends and making sure everyone's okay. And cause you know, people have adjusted to things differently. I'm very grateful that I wasn't, that I'm not too far from home. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in New York, I'm back in New York now, but I was in Connecticut, which was just an hour and a half on the train. Right. Um, so I was able to go back home and visit, but I know people who felt like stranded uh, in New yeah. York and they couldn't fly back to Nashville or to Chicago or wherever because it wasn't safe. You Absolutely. Know, um, so and I, I think that's, that's one thing that's so crazy about um, what feels so, I mean, we hear the term unprecedented, right? I saw this meme earlier that said, all I want is for some precedented times. <laughs> Meaning I just want to get back to like some normalcy of life, whatever normalcy means nowadays. Right. But um, just, yeah, what you kind of touched on, being able to, to commune with others. And I think being in the arts industry itself, that's so much of what it's about um, at its foundation, at its core, right? I really think that artists... Uh, and just the arts in general, we are 
almost at the forefront of, you know, progressive ideals and ingenuity and things like that. So um, my hope is that, you know, we continue to find new ways to commune with people even after we're able to gather and uh, those new methods and ways of communicating uh, will still kind of carry on. You know, something that I started, um, I can't remember exactly when, um, but I was back in Connecticut by that point. I was, so I lived in Brooklyn and, um, or still do, um, and I work at a gym that's basically like my survival job in between um, gigs and whatnot. So once the gyms closed down, my uh, my boyfriend was going to come stay with me in the city, but then mm-hmm. his parents both work in the medical field and it was a little yeah. nerve wracking. They're like, can, sure. does he want to come to Jersey instead? Because we don't really want to send you to New York. It's a little scary right. out there. Um, and then eventually getting to to go back home with um, with family. But, you know, once I was sort of settled back in Connecticut, I started this weekly script reading group. Um, for like an hour or two every Saturday, we would just, I would sit down on Zoom with a bunch of actors and sort of put on my casting director hat and cast the script based on, awesome. on who was uh, free. And, and a lot of folks were, were telling me uh, recently, like, this is like the one thing that I have to look forward to every week. It's the one thing I know. Saturday, <laughs> we're going to read a script and uh, work on our cold reading and work on, you know, bringing something new to these characters because it was like you know scripts like um two broke girls or haunting of hill house or yeah a play script or something and um just like you said some little sense of normalcy like uh, right everyone's schedules are wide open right now uh yeah. slowly things are popping up like you know gyms are finally opening up back uh in new york this coming week mm-hmm after nearly six months of, of being closed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just this very, this one tiny thing that you can do um, with other people to just bring some sense of, of both normalcy and community. And, yes. um, and everyone gets to like work on your craft. Um, has there been anything that you've sort of added into your, um, into this loose schedule that we all have um, in order to maintain um, sort of like your, your creative muscles, uh, uh, working? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily adding because I've always, just the way that I kind of came up through the industry, I've always uh, or tried to always surround myself or, or immerse myself in some story or some type of art, whether it be uh, visual, literary, music. Um, so I, I think just really heightening that and with everything happening with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the way our politics is is going right now, really educating myself and re-educating, unlearning and relearning things that mm-hmm. I uh, didn't know that I had within me, um, that I had to kind of, you know, work through. And, and the great thing about uh, now is, like you said, we have all of this time. So watching uh, films, reading books uh, about specific topics, um, I think that's kind of where the the difference has been. Whereas before it was a lot more uh, story-based in terms of keeping that craft and that energy up so that when you do go out on opportunities and auditions and you do get to work on set, that is is all kind of popping and and the kindling is still hot. Um, So before it was more nonfiction stuff, comedies, things like that, that kind of you, you can learn the music of a comedy, you can figure out the story a little bit more. You can hear things uh, when you read it as opposed to watching it. 
but now it's a little step back from that and more into the world of, uh, I guess, activism and, and learning about uh, where we come from, why our society is the way it is, and uh, how we can really do our part to make it better or more perfect. Yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, using uh, sort of the resources that people are putting out there in order to educate ourselves. I think it's really important and, and something that I've tried to, to do um, to the best of my ability, especially Absolutely. when there's so much content on, on, you know, platforms like Netflix and things like that, that um, right. are telling these very important stories that, you know, maybe got a little buzz during award season, but the masses hadn't really watched it and myself included. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. It took me forever to finally watch um, like Central Park Five and some other shows that really speak on what's happening and the corruption that's that's happening yeah. um, in in our judicial systems and in all these different levels that sort of keep people um, oppressed or or targets them specifically. And it's um I think it's really important that um, people stay educated. And yes, these are slightly heightened versions of what happened, but sometimes it's very sometimes it's, it's almost like they have to water it down because what actually happened was way more um, right. you know, intense or, or, or right. and, you know, right. but, uh, yeah, I think it's really important. I think it's really great that you've been doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it's uh, there's so much content out there yeah. and we have nothing but time <laughs> right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> so it's kind of like, I, you know, we can, we can pause the, 15th episode of supermarket sweep we've been binge watching now that it's on <laughs> netflix <laughs> and we could take a half hour from that to watch you know disclosure uh, right. about the, the history of trans uh, lives and and representation in in the industry so it, it's just like i think it's been great because my brain is still working in the tr- in the sense that uh when we first kind of went into this lockdown I got really bored and I got really restless and I started feeling, um, you know, I started going down that rabbit hole of like all of these things I no longer felt like I had control over before. I definitely now don't have control over (laughs) now that everything is shut down. So that was even, that was heightened even more, that anxiety. Uh, So really having something grounding to um, kind of immerse myself in to, to feel like I'm learning and I'm kind of still growing so to speak, uh, through all of that media. Yeah, I definitely feel that um, that sense of, of anxiety of like, because we, we are in an industry that's all, or it doesn't have to be all about this, but people make it that way. It's all about the hustle and what are you doing mm-hmm. to get to move forward? What do you, you know, you got to propel right. yourself. Don't get off the bike. You got to keep going, keep going. Yes. And it's so exhausting. And I think that during this time as well, a lot of actors and artists are, um, realizing how terrible they were at self-care and um, they're like wow I look rough I haven't had a full night's sleep in months and now that they don't have to you know bartend at their survival job until four in the morning or be up super early for the gym and then an audition and then a class or whatever you know it's like right right like evaluate self-evaluate see what they need like, you know, I'm going to do a home workout today. You know what? I'm going to go for a jog. I'm going to go get a smoothie. I'm going to go to a park and sit down and read for the first time in forever. Um, like, you know, during, uh, I, I moved to, to New York uh, a year ago, last June. And mm-hmm. um, my, something that I wanted to do for 
the longest time was to finally get back in an acting class because I hadn't taken a, a class since college. Um, right. So I wanted to do that. And it wasn't until COVID hit that I was finally able to, to that I finally had the time and the energy to do that. I mean, this podcast itself was supposed to start last November. Um, <laughs> and it didn't start until May of this year because with COVID, I was like, <laughs> all right, well, we've got time. I finally have the energy. Right. I'm not opening up the gym at five in the morning anymore. To, <laughs> and I have the energy now to sit for 45 minutes and chat with someone. Right. Uh, put on right. My, my interviewer hat. And it's like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people who realize like, wow, you were not taking care of yourself before, dude. You were working right. out and you were sore, but you were not taking care of yourself. Like, Right. And yeah. I think that's the, we get so caught up in um, that hustle and we get so caught up in the physical aspect of, of, uh, of being an actor and being an artist um, and the, the physical toll that it takes on us, whether yeah. uh, we're not getting enough sleep or, or eating right or whatever it is. But um, I think a lot of the times the mental part of it is uh, so neglected or not taken care of as much. And I think that this time has really kind of allowed at least myself to, to realize, you know what, it's okay to like sit for an hour and just read a book. <laughs> Or it's like, it's right. okay to sit for an hour and not do anything and just like look outside at the birds and just enjoy that time and, and being present. I think that's one thing that I've really uh, learned through this quarantine out here in LA is that, you know, it's okay to just sit in your thoughts and those thoughts can lead to, to, to stories and the, it, the imagination just gets to get working again, um, which I think is always good for the psyche just to have that childlike mentality um, so that when these opportunities do start presenting itself again and, and the industry starts to, to roar back to life you know we're kind of uh, ready to go both mentally and physically right you're like you know in in tip-top shape and able to come out of this um with the knowledge knowing like you know what during all this time i really took care of myself and i made yes. myself a priority and not the paycheck not the career not right. all these things for the longest time it was just work 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 right. and you know i always said i just want to break i just want to sit and do nothing for a little bit i didn't want this long <laughs> but but it, you know, you kind of get, yeah. you be careful what you ask for, so to speak. Um, I, I did not ask for a pandemic. I just want to put that out there. I did not ask for that. But uh, we all ask for a break. Yeah. This uh, isn't Ryan's fault, our, guys, I promise. <laughs> right. Please do not at me. I promise it wasn't me. Um, but yeah, just being able to to sit and and be, I think, is is what I've learned and kind of adjusted to in this time of quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, actors are terrible at taking vacations. Um, even when they are working steadily, I know, you know, there's a good number of like series regulars that when their show's done filming, they're like, okay, I want to go do a short. I want to go do a play or something. I'm like, can you yeah. just like relax? And you guys work like 70 hour weeks, Monday through Friday, these 14 hour days yeah. on set. Like, you know, take a break for yourself. Goodness, you get right. like two months off in the whole year. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, but the, but at the same time, I I get where that comes from, right? Yeah, because I, oh, I feel that exact same way. Because it's I think it's inherent in uh, being a professional actor. Yeah. Uh, it it is not guaranteed, right? You work one project, even if you are a regular on a show that runs for a, a many many years. Um, 
it's what comes after that. And that's the question that people always ask. It goes back to that, uh, what you said earlier. It's just kind of like, well, what are you doing? What's your hustle? What is it that you're mm-hmm. working on? And I feel like we, at least for my, me, I kind of in, have that ingrained. It's like, what are you working on to further yourself in this nonlinear career? Yeah. And it's just like, wait a minute, what I'm doing now to help myself, whether it's physical, mental, uh, or, or on the artistic side, reading and absorbing media, um, those things still add up to the bigger picture. And I think, well, a lot of the times we, we fail to recognize that because we think that working on a set or working on a particular project is the end goal. But it's, I, I, had a, I have a mentor she says that, you know, you get to your peak or a peak after climbing just to find that there's another peak that you have to climb to. And so it's about celebrating all of those steps that you take on the way because every time you get a win, it just, it, it's not necessarily about that. It's about the, the steps that you take to get to that win because those little steps just keep propelling you forward. So I just wanted to go uh, go back a bit and and you know chat yeah. about your about your beginnings. Um, sure. It's funny because actors usually fall in like one of like three categories. They um, started performing super early, and then you know they got their BFA in theater or or, or whatever. Um, and then sometimes you start early and you go to school for something else. Um, just to either appease your parents mm-hmm. to satisfy mm-hmm. their, because Lord knows all of these ethnic families and ethnic parents are like, mm-hmm. you're going to be a what? No, no, no. Art who? No, no. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or um, some people just fall into this uh, industry, not necessarily by, by accident, but uh, randomly, they just make that switch and be like, you know what? I'm going to go after that, that I've wanted to do right. this whole time. Right. Um, and, and your route was more the second one. Um, you did not go to school for acting or for theater. Yeah. Um, you yep. went to, where did you go to school? I went to Cal State Long Beach. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, and you majored in, in communications and um, I'm sure like like many people, there was always that little inherent fear of, of, of really diving into the deep end and taking that leap to pursue this career full-time because it's um, contrary to what some folks think, it's not something you can really pursue part-time. Um, right, right. Because Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, um so yeah, you, you kind of just, you said it. I went to Cal State Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, uh, I didn't, I don't come from money. Uh, I, I come from a you know, working class family where both my parents uh, work. My mom's a nurse. My dad works in finance and um, they were always, you know, do well in school, get A's, get A's, get A's, get A's, get A's. You know, it's just that typical Filipino family <laughs> that, you know, you, you got to do well in school. You yeah, got to yeah. go to school. You got to go to college. Got to get your degree. Got to start a business. Got to be a yeah. doctor or nurse. It's an American or dream. Exactly. And, you know, I get it because that's what they were taught. And those are the things and yeah. I do. Oh, that absolutely. They grew up with. Yeah. Um, so when it came to, to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I knew is I really liked acting uh, and I really enjoyed that. And that is, I mean, I guess I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to go about doing it. I didn't really do much performing in high school. Um, I didn't do any theater actually in high school. I did a couple short films. I really enjoyed the film TV aspect of things, Mm. um, but nothing uh, 
big. There were a lot of, you know, student non-union type of things that I did just for fun. Yeah. Um, so when it came time to college, not thinking that I would get my theater degree, uh, my mom basically was like, look, uh, you know, do whatever you want, but make sure that you, know, you have something to fall back on. I was like, okay, so I feel like that's a slight way of saying don't major in theater. <laughs> so I started um, college as a journalism major. And I went to my first class, my first class my freshman year. Uh, also happened to be my birthday at the time. Uh, <laughs> lots of firsts on that day. Yeah. I, I sat down in, I think it was Journalism 101 or some basic uh, underground undergrad type of um, class and I hated it. <laughs> I did not like anything they were teaching. She was talking about all these papers we were going to have to write and I am not the best. Uh, I don't like to write. I think I write well, but I just, it's not my forte. Um, so I changed it to communication studies, uh, communication organizational studies. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I think even though it's not necessarily theater or arts related, um, a lot of it was just interpersonal communication, dealing with nonverbals, uh, how to navigate through nonverbals uh, and understand what they are when you see them. And then even all the verbal, the verbal stuff, how you say things, the intonation of what you say. Uh, and a lot of those classes actually ended up being performative. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I remember this one uh, upper division class that I took, I think it was right before I graduated. Um, and it was a performance based communications class. And one of our finals was to take uh, a scene from the media, whatever scene we want from the media uh, and reenact it. And so I chose uh, an episode of Will and Grace where Jack met Cher for the first time. <laughs> and I, was I did that entire conversation uh, between Jack and Cher by myself in this little communications class of maybe like 20 people and you know standing on one side is Jack and the other side is Cher flipping my fake hair acting like Cher it was it it was performative and gratifying um, but at the same time the, the major as a whole I think kind of helped in a different way, but was still related to what I eventually am doing uh, as an actor. Mm. And that's kind of where, you know, after I graduated, I, I realized, okay, well, I don't want to work in HR yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, current, I worked and still work for a, a theater company out in Orange County as kind of my survival day job, um, as one of them anyway. And um, I kind of was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this. You know, there's this whole thought process that you go through where it's, um, you know, you start worrying about like what your family's going to think and the uh, instability of, of what your life may look like um, and the ups and the downs and the, just the emotional toll that you know you're about to embark on. Um, but you still have this gut feeling that that's what I want to do. <laughs> it's like you're, you're looking down this really bumpy road and you're like, but that's the road I want to go on. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how it's always been for me. I've always known I've wanted to be an actor. Uh, I've always loved performing. I grew up in a Filipino family singing karaoke. 
I had an excellent rendition of My Heart Will Go On when I was eight years old. <laughs> um, and that kind of just stuck with me. And I was really grateful to have parents that enjoyed the arts. They loved going to musicals, which is what I was my first exposure to the arts was, was um, musical theater. And mm-hmm. I now working in a theater, I'm immersed in it, which uh, I enjoy and relish in just because I get to see both sides of it, just not the artistic side, but the business side of it now too. Um, and so, yeah, it's a roundabout saying, a way of saying I've, I've always wanted to be an actor. Uh, I'm glad I'm an actor. It's a hard <laughs> road. If you're like me and you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'd probably love listening to audiobooks. And the best place for that is Audible, the leading provider of audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Titles range from popular literature, fiction and biographies to health, wellness, and everything in between. For a free 30-day trial, visit audibletrial.com actors for a free audiobook. Once you become a member, you get one credit for an audiobook each month, as well as two free exclusive Audible originals. I highly recommend that all of my actors and artists listening check out the audiobook for The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide, written and narrated by Jenna Fisher, best known for playing Pam on The Office. Jenna gives an in-depth look on her career, from fresh-faced Hollywood newcomer to struggling actor to the star of a hit network television show. She also has a ton of survival advice and guidance for actors tackling this crazy industry. You can check out Jenna's book and tons more by signing up for a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash actors. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Interesting that you talked about like sort of like the, the your family's um, dynamic because I had sort of a similar um, situation as I'm sure many BIPOC um, and actors of color um, mm-hmm. have had because it's like we're used to seeing the industry as very like predominantly white um that yeah. when we tell them like we want to be an actor they're like really like have you watched tv like you don't really see people like us on tv and then you know i still have family members joke like saying like we're gonna be in the telenovela or something like you know and, and, <laughs> you know, uh or or you know those uh types of shows or like some people joke saying like we're gonna play a drug dealer i'm like well yeah all latinos get cast as these days um but you know it's um i think that that's that's this ongoing conversation um no matter where you turn, who you talk to in the industry is, um, is representation and, um, mm-hmm. and how it's continuing to increase. Like, I feel like parents of the teenage actors or those that are going to college don't feel as much uh, or don't have a, a, as much of a mindset of like, you don't see people like us on TV because there are these major studio films and TV shows that are, um, you know, fully uh, casts of, of color and about, um, families of color and, and, you know, as representation is slowly increasing more and more, I'm a bit relieved for the younger actors. They don't really have to grow up with that sort of little sense of anxiety. Like nobody on TV looks like me because slowly that's exactly what's happening is, um, you know, representation is sort of increasing across the board. Um, and 
perfect segue into your work on Fresh Off the Boat. Um, <laughs> you know, what was that experience like for you? Um, you know, I can imagine sort of just seeing like an entire cast of people who look like you and who resemble you, who could resemble your family and, and things like that. Like, um, yeah, that just makes me so happy that you had that experience. But yeah, what was that like um, um, working on that show? Yeah, um, you know, I think that the, the first word that, that came to mind was uh, proud and pride. Uh, I guess that's two words. <laughs> Those are the <laughs> two words that came to mind. When I got that opportunity to work on that show, uh, one, I was super excited because Randall Park is hilarious. Um, and, and being able to, to work with him was uh, awesome. Um, but even more so just the, the cast in itself, walking onto a set, when they say action, all of the actors that you're looking at are of the same, um, have, a, uh, have a similar story, mm -hmm. right? They understand, uh, there's a cultural understanding uh, between, between me and the rest of them, whether it be uh, Randall Park or Constance Wu, Hudson, uh, Yang were the three that I worked with. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something that's so gratifying about that, that you get to show up to, to work and in a, in a situation that's not necessarily common. I mean, it's not, not, it's not common, period. I mean, that's just easy, easy to say. It's, it's not common yeah. to walk onto a set where you see people of the same um, ethnic background or cultural uh, background as you. Mm. So that was extremely gratifying. Um, but it was just a fun kind of set to work on. They, it, was, it ended up being their last season that I, that I got to be a part of, which mm. you know, was, was great uh, to be part of just one history in terms of uh, an all Asian cast, but then to be part of that last season was awesome. Um, it was just, it, it was a really cool experience uh, getting, getting to work with them and, and getting to kind of see the inner workings uh, of a comedy that really made history. Yeah, I mean, that show was like absolutely groundbreaking. And um, gosh, I miss that show already. I know it literally just ended like a, like not too long ago, like earlier this year, <laughs> but like it had such yeah. a great run and it's, it's, um, it's rare for, um, you know, for shows like that to, to last multiple, I mean, it's hard for a show to go beyond one season these days. Like, I feel like every show yeah. that I end up liking, I'm like, oh, of course I got canceled because I liked it. Why did I have to like it? Everything. Right. Like <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. And then that just goes yeah. to show you, it's, it's very hard for um, a show that has a, a, a predominantly diverse cast made up mm. of uh, a black, Asian, Latina actors. Um, it, it's hard. To, to, to make, to one, sell that show. And it's hard, it's even harder for it to go past one season. For, so for Fresh Off the Boat to go as long as they did, uh, for, for um, Blackish to go on yeah. and, and to create Mixedish and all of these other things mm -hmm. we're seeing. What was the other one? Uh, Youngish? Um, Youngish, thank yeah. you. All um, to yeah. see, right. And to, and to see just that it's not just a, a single spark anymore that single spark uh they really paved the way i really think that they paved the way and and showed that you can have a successful show um and you can have a successful business because mm. uh, that's what this is right i think people um 
when it comes down to it, they look at the bottom line and then how much people are, you know, the, 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 the cost and, and just the dollar amount. Um, it goes to show that shows like that can make money and can be successful. They just have to be given the opportunity to. Uh, and I feel like we are, like you were saying earlier, you know, this new generation of actors that are coming up, um, they really get to experience that. And, and I'm really excited to, to be part of that because it wasn't like that just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can remember being uh, in an audition where, you know, they, the, the character was Latinx and um, his name was Pedro. I think it was a, a play or I'm not sure what it was. Mm. Um, but I just remember, you know, doing my take on it. And then the, uh, the director had said, okay, let's do it again, but I, I need you to sound more Latin. Mm. And it's just like, what, what does that mean? Right. Um, and I didn't feel strong enough in myself to say something at the time. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And I feel like now that, you know, two years has passed and I've, I've grown as a person, I would, you know, kind of question that. Well, what does that mean exactly? Mm. Um, but you, you, it's, it's, it's a, subtle way of saying you know you want me to sound super ethnic yeah stereotypically um, and very stereotypical exactly um like, do you mean urban and, or is this character an immigrant so they're right is a exactly broken. i can't tell you how many times have i i've seen urban written yeah. and it, it's just like well it's like, why what <laughs> exactly so uh, seeing where we've gone even just in the last few years gives me uh, reassurance that we are headed in the right direction. Mm. There's always more we can do, right? And um, I think like uh, people like Ava DuVernay and Kerry uh, Washington and even Randall Park, him, uh, Ken Jong, who have paved the way mm. to for, for us to now create even more content and put more media out there that showcase these voices that are so underrepresented and, and um, you know growing up I didn't see any I don't remember any Filipino character on TV mm. uh, I don't remember any um, uh, you know brown person on, on TV uh, that I could relate to and now I turn on the TV and be like oh yeah I mean part of it is I could play that yeah. <laughs> the other part <laughs> is I'm glad I see myself yeah. on screen um, and that's, that's really gratifying. And that's kind of tying it back to fresh off the boat. Being on a set like that, like I said, was just extremely gratifying. And um, I was really proud to, to be a part of that um, because it is important. And, and it is something that we need to do more of. Uh, and I hope that we do. Yeah, um, you know, one of my one of my side jobs is also as a writer for this um, publication and I cover like the mm -hmm the shows about um, Latinx families and um, any programming sort of aimed at um, Hispanics, whether it's like from a Spanish language network or if it's a show like Baker and the Beauty um, or um, On My Block or One Day at a Time, you know, those kind of shows. Um, and I always mention that a show like, I wish a show like this existed when I was a kid because the only yeah. time that I ever saw a Latin family on TV was um the george lopez show right that was the only yeah. time 
the only only time yeah. that I saw a show not in Spanish about Latinos and I you know I'm, I'm first generation American I have a working class immigrant family um, and it's like I'm like oh so that's kind of like the deal because like their grandfather is Cuban is very Cuban uh, you know and um, has the accent I'm like oh my god those are like my tios and, and, and all this stuff you know like right um, yeah so now like growing up I can sit down and watch on my block or one day at a time with my nephew and he sees like the kids on these shows um, with these Hispanic families and it's like it doesn't even cross his mind like I don't see myself on TV. There aren't shows about people like us because it's like now you do and it's freaking beautiful. And, and right. um, you know, that's slowly move the needle slowly moving in the right direction of sort of increasing representation um, across the board and not just in, in TV, but in film and, um, you know, in theater with shows like um, over the past like 10 or 12 years, like, um, you know, Hamilton and, um, in the heights and, and bringing back stories like West Side Story that's about this sort of cultural division and um, bringing these stories back to the forefront um, because they're still relevant. You know, some of the West Side Story is a very old show and it's, it's uh, main conflict is still super relevant, which is insane um, because in a way we're seeing progress, but at the same time, it's like, but there hasn't really been that much progress since they wrote this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like, and that's kind of what, uh, sometimes it feels like with uh, politics, right? You, you're, yeah. you're three steps forward and then four steps back. Mm. Uh, and it just feels like you're grinding constantly like, uh, and hitting yourself against the wall because it's just like, we've proven time and time again that these shows can do well and these yeah. shows will sell and these shows will, will uh, attract an audience yeah. yet and these movies will Go make millions of dollars. but These movies, exactly, yeah. will make millions of dollars. You can franchise off of them yeah. uh, if you want to. We've, it's been established that you can create franchises ar around it. Mm -hmm. um, yet it's still so hard. And, and I think that that's where we need to uh, really work hard. To, or that's where um, people higher up in the food chain, uh, that's where the representation needs to really happen, right? Having... BIPOC executives making those decisions, uh, I think will kind of, or at least part of the decision making will help increase the, the visibility even further. Um, so I, I yeah, definitely agree with that. It's funny, I was, uh, not so long ago, I was talking with, um, with my mentor and um, he had sent me a script that he wrote and I was sort of looking it over and he asked me like, with Hispanic characters, what what sounds weird, what doesn't sound authentic. I, so I'm giving it to you to, to sort of help on, on that sense. And yeah. I told him, I said, I can always tell in a show when a white person writes dialogue for a Hispanic person when they're speaking Spanish, because they'll just randomly yeah. drop in. I'm not going to name the show. Uh, I don't want to call someone out like that. The show's been canceled, but you know. Um, there's a character who's like, you people are muy interesante. I'm like, nobody talks like that. No one just breaks in. He's talking to a group of non-Spanish people. And this character, like, uh, it just felt so weird. I'm like, that was not written by a Latino, but okay, whatever. <laughs> right. And it's the same thing when um, I've read where uh, you can tell when a man is writing a female point of view because mm -hmm. it's always about how sexy she is 
how she's uh, how using her body to get ahead. Yeah. And it's just all of these tropes that are kind of like, really, that's what you're going to use. And I'm not saying all uh, men who write about women's stories are, are like that. I'm just saying some of the stuff that I read, and I'm sure you've read as well, mm-hmm. that that comes across and it's very easy to, to kind of pick out, especially now that we are, um, you know, our eyes are open to it. And we're not just sitting idly by kind of allowing these things to happen. People are calling it out. It's like, wait a minute. Like, I, I understand your intent to, to increase representation, but doing it in a way that's appropriating the culture mm. and not, that, not authentic to what you are trying to get across is, is more harmful because you're now perpetuating a stereotype. Uh, so I think really having, it, it, it's intent, but with proper execution, right? You can have all of the good intentions, but if you're cutting corners just for the sake of cutting corners, it's not gonna come off authentic. And I think that you, when people are, are putting these stories out there, especially if it's not from their own life or their own experiences, really, reaching out like uh someone like your mentor reach out to you and asking like what what do you think this is like how do i make this more authentic and then i think that's where hopefully you know we're going with it because you have stories coming out that are more authentic and and when you watch them or you read them it resonates to me so Mm -hmm. much more because it's kind of like that's a real experience and, and i can i know that person and I know who that girl is. I know who that man is. I know who that person is um, because they're me. And I think when we tell those authentic stories, it's, um, it shows. And you could tell because, you know, typically those are the ones that do really, really well. Most of the time. <laughs> Some of the time. <laughs> I was just in New York for the first time a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and... It was an eye-opening experience. I mean, I'm born and raised in Southern California, so I'm used to like spread out streets. Even here in LA, the, the streets are definitely not like New York. And there was, if my senses were on overload by the end of the week that I was there for, I was very tired. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's funny because um, going to LA, for me, it was like the complete opposite. I'm not, LA is very pretty. Uh, but <laughs> I like public transportation and not having to yeah. drive everywhere. So, um, I get that. yeah, I like yeah. being able to. That's just... actually one thing that I really enjoyed was learning the uh, the public transit. So I went mm-hmm. there for uh, a callback for um, Harry Potter, and it was my first time in New York. The Broadway uh, I show was there for a week. Yeah, the Broadway show oh, and then the San Francisco company. Yeah, uh, so it was really, really cool. Um, I, I, I flew out there. I stayed in uh, an Airbnb up in um, the Northwest, I want to say. What, I'm not sure. The upper West Side. Okay. Uh, kind of near Columbia. Is that the mm-hmm. Upper West Side? Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind, kind of in that area. So learning, you know, how I was going to get from the Upper West Side down to, to Times Square and, and that area where all the audition was happening. It was, it was fun. It felt like I was on a scavenger hunt every day. Like I would mm-hmm. walk out of my room or my, my, yeah, my room and, and grab a, a coffee on my way, go down to the, the subway. And like, yeah, the, it's, it's a fun experience. Um, 
I say all that to say like, I wish we had something similar here in LA uh, because there's nothing like sitting <laughs> in your car for two hours to get 10 miles. <laughs> so yeah, that you know, Elon Musk, me. if you're listening, that underground railroad thing that you're trying to do out here in LA, <laughs> let's, let's uh, speed that up. <laughs> yeah, the, the LA bullet train. Um, yeah, exactly. Have you had any desire to like leave LA and to pursue another market, or, or I mean, I know it's kind of a silly question. Yeah. Most people are. Most of the opportunity is in LA, but have you ever sort of wanted to branch out and venture out to other markets? You know, uh, that was something I really considered when I was in consideration for uh, Harry Potter and then before that for Hamilton. Mm. Um, That's so cool. It was something that I would love to do. Um, And I've told my friends, it's like, I would love to move to New York. Uh, I could, I would learn to love it because I don't know if I love it just yet. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed my time there when I was there during the week. Uh, like I said, I was exhausted by the end of the week, but <laughs> I feel like you get your stamina up uh, after a while. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that uh, I give so much credit to the actors and, and my friends who start here in LA and move to New York um, is the hustle out there. I think is is so much more difficult, especially when you're on Broadway or trying to get on Broadway in the mm-hmm. theater world, because you know that you are competing against the cream of the crop out there. Um, and that's similar here in LA, but I just feel like there's so many things that shoot and, and cast out of LA that there are more opportunities. Whereas, you know, you have a lot of actors in New York competing for a smaller amount. I mean, that's growing in terms of TV and film now that there's more production going on out there. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the playing field is a little, has been leveled a little bit, but um, you know, the hustle from getting to uh, an, audition, an audition and then getting into the subway and having to figure out your next stop to get to another audition just two hours or an hour or a half hour later it's so much, I find it would be so much more difficult than, you know, the convenience of my car. And I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to say that here in LA living uh, and being able to drive from, yeah. from my opportunities. And I, you know, I completely uh, recognize that, uh, but it is a, a convenience and it, it is um, easier, I think. Uh, it might not feel easier and I definitely don't think it's easier to make it in either market. I think it's a hard industry to get into and it's a hard and even harder industry to stay in um but yeah definitely new york has always been a place that i've kept my eye on um but i feel like i need to to have work out there for me to to want to go out there Um, that is exactly right now i really love my la spot yeah (laughs) that's exactly my feeling on la is like i'll yeah, I'll move when they uh, when I sign a contract. If uh, you know, if there's right. a, a film or a series that wants to fly me out and put me up somewhere, absolutely. But um, exactly. Yeah, but just and I can I've do that in a second. In, <laughs> right, exactly. It's so funny because we're like kind of like not polar opposites, but like um, you've always been like a West Coast boy. I've always been on the East Coast. Um, and going to the other side it's like it's cool here not really my cup of tea just yet but yes. if someone wants to I can learn to love it I right, can learn to absolutely. like enjoy this yeah when you're right. signing a six exactly. series regular contract absolutely. <laughs> I love it. of course right? 
Which if I were to, yeah. I, and I hope to work on uh, in theater in New York at, at some point in my career. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, you know, I'd be more than willing to go to New York uh, because just being out there, getting to experience my first Broadway shows while I was out there mm -hmm. and then knowing people who currently work uh, on Broadway and seeing what their life is out there as an artist is, is it, it truly feels like you're living um, in like the, the, what it feels, I guess, what we think of when we think of an artist's life, you're mm -hmm. completely immersed in it, which I found to be extremely gratifying uh, and really kind of really great for my soul uh, because you, you just feel like you're amongst a, a group of like-minded individuals who are all trying to get to where you're wanting to get to and you're all kind of like acknowledging each other. Uh, at least that's how it felt when I went out there for, for Harry Potter. It's like all of these uh, actors that they brought in from California, uh, New York, Chicago, even Canada, mm. uh, they all, kind of came together and it was an acknowledgement of like, yeah, we're all here to try and do the same thing, but the way that they set it up was very communal. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that and being able to hang out with friends and, and meet other people out there. It was the same thing. And it still, it felt very cutthroat and it felt very competitive, but there was also still, at least amongst the people that I met, uh, a real strong sense of community, yeah. uh, which is harder out here, I think in LA you have to work at it a little bit more because you may see somebody at an audition, you know, over and over and over again, but you know, they live 30 minutes away or 30 miles away and it takes an hour and a half to get there. So you don't really see them unless you're going to the same casting office that's right in the middle of you guys. Um, yeah. And I feel like here in LA, it's a little more uh, separate uh, as opposed to, to New York. Maybe it's just because, you know, we're more, geographically more spread out than New York mm. so by default we're all spread out a little bit more but that's one thing I really liked about New York was the uh, the, the arts community felt really together and really tight yeah I, I, I love that particularly about um, about New York any workshop I've taken any class I've taken um, if I go to like this like random tiny film festival that a friend is in and I go with them or something you always get that sort of sense of community um mm -hmm. which from what i've been told in la is very tough um because yeah. it's already a cutthroat industry and people kind of make it more so like that so you can get a little manipulative and try and get in your head or whatever or yes. psych you up or yeah. something um but yeah with the theater community especially like you know people make friends in in the in the dance callback room or help each other out are happy to um you know, connect on Instagram or, or, you know, make fast friends. Like someone I just interviewed for, for the show, uh, Clay Thompson, he met his husband in, uh, at the audition for the West Side Story national tour um, oh. a while ago. And then, you know, yeah. uh, one thing led to another, now they're married. Uh, but it's just so funny. <laughs> you, know, you get these little, like, um, you never know who you're going to meet. And it's like, it's a little bit more um, sort of communal in, in New York and, and from what I've heard even more so in Atlanta because Atlanta's got you know they got that southern charm everyone's super nice to each other like you need yeah. to ride somewhere you need help you want me to read your lines you need you know can I give you a tip it's never it's not like that in some other in some other markets people yeah. can be very like you know I want this role this is you know it's like no one's gonna help each other yeah yeah and I think that's the that's kind of the mindset that I try and carry when I do go into 
uh, these opportunities, when I do have the opportunity to work on set, um, it's have it, it, being an actor can sometimes feel so um, solo. It, it's it feels mm. very individualistic. It feels um, very solitary, and being able to be vulnerable and open your heart and communicate with somebody uh, through story and through words that aren't your own requires you to, at least for me, it requires me to really feel some kind of connection. We don't have to be best friends and kiki after this, but like some kind of human connection. And I feel for me, it really grounds me, especially when I go into uh, auditions to just have that communal mindset, right? Yeah. The, the casting director is part of the team. The other actors who are there are part of the team. Uh, everybody there is, is a cog working in the same direction. We're all working to, to put out the best work that we can and, and having that kind of more communal feeling as opposed to that cutthroat feeling of like, okay, all of these people, they look the same as me. Uh, they're just going to pick the tallest person. They're going to pick the shortest person. Uh, oh, that person has curly hair. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Whatever they choose is what they choose. Um, and we're all here to do our best work. And my work and my story and my point of view that I bring to the table is going to be very different than uh, what somebody else brings because my experiences are personal to my own. And that's all I know I know how to bring. Um, obviously, it's through story and if they're wanting, you know, uh, something specific you give them that but even through that my interpretation of something can be very different than somebody else's interpretation and all I have to remember is to to bring what I know how to bring and being able to be grounded and recognize that hey we're all kind of here doing the same thing trying to get to the same place and acknowledging that really helps to keep me grounded to be able to be vulnerable enough to go into a room and and you know, audition, which is a weird thing to do in itself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just to, you know, kind of go and, and walk into a room that is foreign if you haven't met them before and to say words that are not your own. Obviously that's part of the job, but auditioning is just, it's, it's, I think it's something completely separate that actors have to learn how to do because it's not the same as working on a set. It's not the same as going to a table read. It's not the same as being in class even auditioning is a specific skill. Um, I kind of refer to it sometimes as like, especially in the commercial world, it's a lot of Simon Says. They give you a lot of Simon Says, you're gonna do this, 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 and this. Um, and you have to kind of do it. And you have to be present enough to, to ask questions if you don't understand, uh, to, to interpret what they're saying, filter it through your point of view and, and, you know, and portray it back how they're looking for it. it it's this, definitely this interesting, um, tool that actors have in their belt, which is why I think actors are so, uh, they're like chameleons, right? You, you put an actor in a room, a majority of the time, they're going to be able to kind of figure out how to navigate the, the people that they don't know and how to converse with them. Because that's what we do uh, on a daily basis. We're constantly being put in situations where you're working with a brand new set of people, especially if you're you know, at a day player uh, level where you're yeah. working co-stars and guest stars, you're not recurring on a show so you're working on, you know, fresh off the boat one day and then the next day you're working on Criminal Minds with a brand new set and a brand new crew and being able to navigate different personalities, different people, uh, I think is something that actors um, have, really. The ones that I've met, at least, uh, 
have really kind of honed that skill, which is uh, something that you know we can all, myself included, continue to work on. Yeah, it's um, I was I forget who I was speaking to um, recently. Now I never know if it's an actual conversation or if it was an interview for the show. <laughs> Sometimes um, I just make them up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, I, I would I would be the last one to know. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, they were saying that um, you know, like actors have to be very sort of um, empathetic and ready to adapt mm-hmm. and. Um, going from one set to another you have to look at it not like i'm an outsider i don't belong here it's like no these are your new co-workers for the day right. it's like you're a temp right. at, an, at a new office right. for the day and um yeah it's it's um it's tricky to navigate and uh, very daunting but it's also like you know if you're more of a theater actor you might never see anyone in this cast ever again once your six week run ends yeah. but you go to the next one it's like yeah. all right time to get to know these people whether you have a day to do it or six weeks or six months or six seasons, right. you never know. Um, right. But yeah, you know, there's all these moving parts and you just have to sort of hunker down and, and get over that sort of sense of, um, for me at least, I always get an imposter syndrome. It's, um, you know, when I was working on Blind Spot, still by episode um, two or three that I was doing, I'm like, I know these people, we've chatted and laughed and whatnot, but it still feels so weird to be here. And it's like, you get that sense of dread. Like, I don't belong here. Who let this happen? This is a mistake. Like, you know, it's, um, especially when I did like my first stunt scene, I'm like, are we sure my character is supposed to be here right now? I'm a lab tech. I'm a lab tech. Why am I holding a gun? I didn't go to Quantico. And I got my degree in forensics yeah, I mean- or whatever, but it's like, it's so daunting. You're like, wait, what, why am I here? It's a, uh, but then it you is, have to like slap yourself and be like, nope. I belong here. Someone made this decision and I'm going to trust them because it's their job to make those decisions, not my job. Right. Totally. Some, that's something I, I mean, struggle with. Uh, even, uh, you know, when we were talking about speaking on this podcast and having this conversation today, it's kind of like, it, to me, I'm like, well, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not interesting. I haven't really done anything. Um, but then it's recognizing, and it, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. My mentor was saying, it's not necessarily about the peaks that you get to. It's the, the journey along the way, because mm. no matter what peak you get to, you're going to continue going. You're going to hope to continue reaching that peak after peak after peak after peak. Um, and so I constantly uh, struggle with that. And working, uh, when I got the chance to work on Grace and Frankie, showing up on set, First, knowing that you you know you get the call that you're okay. This is what you're you're, you're working. You, you booked it. Uh, this is what it is. Having that immediate just kind of like anxiety of holy moly, I'm going to be working with some amazing actors. <laughs> it's kind of like what am I going to be able to to do this? Am I going to be able to to handle this? Um, and it's really just I feel like you just have to kind of recognize that that's that what you bring is good to, good enough and what you bring to the table is good enough. They, they hired you for a reason. Um, you know, you, you've proven yourself to be, to be worthy of, uh, after running through the gauntlet of, of what an audition is. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it goes back to kind of just like being present and grounded and just being a human, being a nice, easy to work with human being, right? And uh, understanding your place and your uh, role within this, entire machine. Uh, and I think that's really important for actors to learn is, is understanding how you fit in 
to, because you play a very important part. Uh, we play a very important part when, you know, we're co-stars, guest stars, uh, recurrings, etc. Especially even on theater, in, in theater, you know, whether you're in the ensemble, whether you're a leading lady, a uh, leading man, uh, or a stage manager, everybody plays a critical role in providing this overarching um, project. Yeah, It's a really big team project. And I was, I'll be the first to say, I was not a fan of like, group projects in college (laughs) but i think it was because (laughs) it it was because you're you know a majority of the time i was putting groups with you know half of the group wanted to do something the other half of the group was you know just not there or not present um but being able to show up on set show up into a theater uh working with a a company it's a bunch of like-minded individuals who all want to see whatever you're working on do really well and to be in that situation uh, is, uh, it grounds you. And it's humbling to know that it's like, okay, this is great. Like, we're all just kind of playing here, right? Mm-hmm. We're all just doing the best that we can. Um, and that, especially when I was working on Grace and Frankie, um, Martin Sheen was really great about just making the environment really easygoing, uh, mm-hmm. really just kind of like, let's just play. We're just here to play. Um, and then, you know, it kind of went, from him on down, from the directors to the producers, the writers, uh, you know, everybody was kind of, you could tell it was a really well-oiled machine that was pushing and in in everybody pulling in the, in the same direction. Um, and so navigating that imposter syndrome of feeling like, what have I done to, be, to deserve being here? Right. It, it becomes less about that and more about like, okay, how do I do my job to support this team. Uh, and I think that's what's really grounding when you kind of recognize that. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our, of our time. Um, and I always like to end the show with a rapid fire round of questions. Sure. Of um, okay. some, some are this or that. Some Try not to crumble under the pressure of coming up with an answer. I know. <laughs> I started sweating. <laughs> uh, but we're going to put 90 seconds on the clock and see how many questions you can get through. Uh, starting with coffee or tea? Coffee. Theater or screen acting? Uh, screen acting. TV or film? TV. Uh, plays or musicals? Ooh, uh, musicals. Hero or villain? Ooh, uh, I mean, my last name is Salazar, so I got to say villain. Shout out to the Slytherins. <laughs> uh, drama or comedy? Uh, comedy. Uh, favorite TV show of all time? Ooh, uh, first one that comes to mind is, first one that comes to mind is Golden Girls. I mean, I'm not a huge Which fan, is. but like, yeah. who doesn't love the Golden Girls? Right. Uh, if you weren't an actor, what would you be doing for a living? Um... Ooh, what would I be doing? I would be a a nurse. <laughs> Following mama footsteps. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, what's the worst side job you've ever had? I worked as a busboy for a month. I um I was trained for a week. I had a week of just regular shifts, and then at the end of that shift. On the second week, I uh, gave my two-week notice. 
(laughs) not for me uh (laughs) i was 16 years old so i was like okay this is not for me (laughs) uh what role did you have the most fun playing um i gotta say kip because that was the most recent one fresh off the boat okay and uh last question in 10 words or less what advice would you give to a young actor 10 words or less um be authentically yourself period (laughs) all right y'all that is it for this week's episode of actors with issues with special guest ryan salazar who you can follow on instagram at ryan salazar and follow us at actors with issues If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you are listening and catch new episodes every Friday. This is Juan Ayala signing off.